This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, good to see all of you tonight. Glad you're here. Praise God. Got a bunch of folks that are on the other side and learning about marriage and figuring out what that's all about. When you guys get that figured out, would you let me know the whole marriage thing? I mean, my wife and I, let's see, what is today, the 16th? Yeah, five days. In five days, everybody say five. Five. We're going to celebrate 46 years of marriage. Hallelujah. Now, we've actually been together for 50 years because I dated her for four years. She was a young child when we started. And, and then uh, I, t- I was giving her a hard time because uh, um, we had this little deal when we were in junior high, you know. And if I'd have been smart enough, I just started then. But I had to wait till I was a junior. She was a sophomore. So anyway, we could be like 54 years together, you know, or something like that. I'm sure all this really matters to you, especially those of you that are watching online. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to celebrate 46 glorious years. Amen. You know, people always say, well, I've been married 17 years and 26 of them were this and whatever. You know, I, no, we've just been having a riot ever since. Praise God. So thankful for that. God's so good. Glory to God. All right. Did y'all bring a Bible with you tonight? Let's open our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 11. If you can find that opening in your Bible. Such a privilege to be able to communicate to you tonight and share the Word of God um, in this context uh, this evening. I'm excited about God. Amen. Are you excited about Jesus and His Word and what it is? Praise God. It has a potential of doing in our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I remember uh, there was a minister years ago that uh, used a scripture out of, uh, uh, where was that? It was kind of an odd, it was an Old Testament scripture. Um, I shouldn't have went down this road unless I knew the whole thing, okay? Um, Let's see. Can I come up with that? Boy, that'd be pulling a rabbit out of my hat. It's Ecclesiastes. Come on. Here we go. Come on. All right. Hang on just a second. I'm going to find this. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Proverbs. Song, song. Oh, yeah, I'm getting close now. Look at this right here. All right, right, here it is. Behold, that which I have seen. This is in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 18. Behold, that which I have seen. Uh, The uh, writer, Solomon, he was kind of in a funk when he wrote this, but it's okay, you know. But anyway, he said, that which I have seen, it is good and it is comely, for one or for or it's proper for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he takes under the sun all the days of his life now listen which god giveth for or because it's his portion or it's their portion hallelujah then he goes on to say in 19 every man also to whom god hath given riches and wealth and has given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor this is the gift of god hallelujah so from that we can surmise this you know it's just kind of like establishing a new thought for you you ready for this There's nothing wrong with you and your family experiencing the good life. 
Amen. It's your portion that God gives while you live on this earth. Hallelujah. How many of you know Jesus said, I came so that you could have life and have it more abundant? So it essentially is saying the same thing. Again, there's nothing wrong with you and your family living the good life because God wants you to. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be some challenges. You're not going to have to deal with some stuff. But thank God, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Can you say amen? Y'all awake tonight, right? Did you guys have pasta before you came? Huh? You've been to, a, what's that place? Roma's Italian restaurant? Oh, my Lord. Hallelujah. Huh? Oh, yeah. You got it. That's right, girl. Come on now. The only problem is, is my wife, she came home, she's got four more meals that she had to bring home because these portions are like, well, I wouldn't call them sinful, but they're large, okay? And they are some kind of yummy. And of course, I'm sure those of you that are out watching online, you're really excited about this information too. But anyway, uh, for whatever it's worth, if you get a chance, uh, go there because you'll enjoy it. All right, did you all find, where did I call you, tell you to go? Romans chapter 11? Yeah, I got interrupted there, so. And that's not unusual for me. Hallelujah, amen. All right, Romans, the 11th chapter. And uh, let's begin reading. I'm going to read from the New King James uh, in this portion, and then, um, and then um, I'll talk to you. So anyway, uh, uh, Romans chapter 11, let's start with the um, 34th verse. It says, who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you or beseech you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to talk to you about changing the way you think tonight changing the way that you think. And the reason that I say that is, is because when you get born again, how many of you know God wants us to change the way we think? He wants us to think his thoughts. He wants us to think like he thinks. In other words, when Jesus came and said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, he was giving new definition to the way you and I were supposed to live. And so we need to learn what it is, you know, when, when God says, or Jesus says, love as he lit, loved, then what does that mean? How do we define that? And thereby, when we learn that, we start to do what it is he does. Because how many of you know love way is the best way? I'm sure you guys have been eating pasta. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, in the context of this, I started with these verses in the uh, 11th chapter because there's, there's a thought, a line of thought that is 
taking place in these verses, and, and thus the reason why I want you to, to get the, the, the grasp of it. See, the context Paul's talking about, he's, this letter is written to those that be at Rome, so it's basically a Gentile congregation. And within the context of this, he says in chapter 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to accurate knowledge because they're going about to try to establish their own righteousness and they haven't submitted themselves to the righteousness which is of God. And then he goes on pretty lengthy, talks about different things, you know, about the new birth, being born again, talks about the fact that it's by grace through faith that you and I are saved and not through the works of the law. And so in the context of this, he was just telling those recipients of the letter, I don't want you to get all, you know, high-minded and, and let your head blow up because you got into the kingdom. And uh, I just want you to realize, praise God, that we all are what we are by the grace of God. So in going back now, maybe this would be an easier way for you to read this since you got the context. Look again in verse 34 says, who's not, I'm reading from King James now, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has first given to him that it shall be recompensed to him again. In other words, that the Lord should have to repay. And then it goes on to say, for of him and through him and to him are all things. In other words, the whole deal's God's, huh? And then it goes on to say, to him be glory forever, amen. So then, he then says, so I beseech you by the mercies of God that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, rational, smart idea, okay? And then he goes on to say, and don't be conformed. Everybody say conformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove or approve or know what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Aren't you glad that God wants you to know? You know, in some denominational preferences, and when I first got started, you know, one of the big arguments was is that you can't know the will of God. You just got to kind of do the best you can, or whatever happens, happens. Kind of a fate. It had a whole bunch of stuff mixed up in it. But you know, when you read in the book of Ephesians, it says, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. God wants you to know. Are you listening to me? And he wouldn't ask you to know what the will of the Lord is if it weren't available to you. So everybody say, thank God for the book. Yeah, the book, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, hallelujah. Because therein lies the will of God and God wants you to know it. So God wants us to renew our minds or change the way that we think as a result of the word. Now, the New Living Translation of verse two in Romans chapter 12 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. If you're gonna live like the world, chances are you're not going to have much success. Are you listening to me? You can't have one foot in the world, one foot in the church. People have tried that and it doesn't work out too good. So again, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And let me say one more thing about that. You know, the world's not going to agree with the way you live. They're not going to come up and embrace you and say, aren't you the most wonderful thing on the planet? They might mock you, they might criticize you, you know, they may, you know, scorn you or whatever, but they're not gonna, they're not gonna, no, uh-uh, not so much, not maybe at all. 
When my wife and I got saved, everybody forsook us, all of our friends. And they said, you know, their, their line was is that Calstrip got religion. But I didn't get religion. Thank God I got a relationship with Jesus, and he was real. Are you listening to me? You know, you can have all the religion you want. I'm not really that excited about it. But I am interested in having a living relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, he's coming again. I said he's coming real soon. And thank God we have everything to rejoice in or rejoice about and to look forward to because the King is coming. Hallelujah. So again, this verse from the New Living, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Most of the stuff the world does kills them. Did you know that? Because it's somehow or another laced with sin and wrongdoing and displeasing God. And I don't want to do that. Are you with me? And thank God I don't have to live under the rule of the law to try to please God because he sent his son Jesus and he, by his giving, the giving of his life, gave me new life. And not only that, but he said, I'm going to send a comforter, one of the same sort, that he may abide with you forever. Hallelujah. So now it's not a matter of having to do these things. It's a matter of wanting to. He's changed our nature. He's made us new creations in Christ. So thank God we've got something on the inside of us that moves us toward the will of God. Hallelujah. And we can rejoice and be happy about it at the same time. You know, people think, well, you know, this Christianity thing is such a drudgery. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. Hallelujah. And so we just got to get ourselves, get our minds renewed to the word, change the way that we think from the word of God, or that's the process that causes it to happen. But again, I'm still trying to read this second verse from the New Living Translation. So it says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? I don't think like I used to when I was 18. I think differently. Hallelujah. Because of what it, the influence of God in my life. So he says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Aren't you glad tonight you can know his will? Thank God you can get happy about it. You can rejoice. Do a little dance. Hallelujah. Shout and scream if you want to. Glory to God. You say, people think I'm nuts. They, they shout and scream about all kinds of stupid stuff themselves. We don't think about them being nuts. Huh? Isn't that right? I mean, some of the stuff they shout and scream about is real dumb. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? So we can rejoice. Glory to God. Linda, are you cold tonight? Want me to turn on the heat? No. Just keep your blanket rolling there. Okay. She looks like a mummy up there, man. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you about changing the way that you think. You say you're not supposed to point people out like that. Linda and I go back a long ways. It's not a big deal. It's all good. Long ways. So, so changing the way you think. And, and you guys, it's so critical. And it's so important. Uh, vitally important, really. To have this discipline within your life in order to experience a successful Christian life. If you don't renew your mind to the Word of God, you won't have a a successful Christian life. Amen. You know, uh, Philip's translation of that same verse we quoted earlier says, Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. 
And that's what the world, you know, all these narratives that you, you see being pumped out, you know, what, the, what are they doing? They're trying to get you to think the way they want you to think. Are you listening to me? Same things with all this sexual perversion within our schools. What's going on? They're trying to uh, influence your children and, and um, influence the way that they think. It's, it's hideous. Well, it's hellacious is what it is. It is absolutely from hell. And we ought to, with every fiber of our being, stand against the nonsense that is going on. And hell is using the legal system, you know, to, to substantiate or validate or whatever. But it's wrong. I mean, it can be legally right, but it is not morally right. Are you with me? So, parent, grandparent, whoever you might find yourself to be, I tell you what, praise God, if you smell it, you got to get on it, praise God, all over the place and put a stop to it. Because it's destroying kids' lives. Can you imagine what's going to happen to these kids as they become victims of this perversion that these people are trying to impose upon them? You know, I don't need to get into that, but, you know, these innocent, that's the thing. They're just innocent, naive kids that are being influenced in such a negative kind of way. But thank God we don't have to allow that to happen in our life. So the new birth or being born again, you know, it provides a spiritual rebirth. Okay, when Jesus said you must be born again, Nicodemus said, well, can I enter my mother's womb a second time and be born again? He said, no, 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 no. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And unfortunately, you know, uh, when Jesus, you know, through the power of the Holy Ghost recreated us, he made us a new creation, but nothing happened to our mind, nothing happened to our body. Those are two things we got to care for. Are you listening to me? And so it's important for us uh, to understand that. So it's incumbent upon the child of God to renew their mind. And I got news for you. You ready for this? Nobody's going to do it for you. Huh? Nobody's going to do it for you. So it requires a real diligent effort on our part or on the part of the believer to get his thinking in line with the Word of God. Is this all right? You think this would be all right for you to think about some of these things here tonight? The fact is this, you guys, your brain is the battleground. Your brain, your mind. Hell wants it, but so does heaven. So you just have to decide who you're going to allow to, you know, uh, uh, use it for its, uh, its glory. Our mindset or the way we think, um, um, how it's, well, let me say it this way. Our mindset is given shape or it's given form uh, from the information that comes to it. Now listen, either without or from within. So internally, there are things that happen in your thought life, but there are also external influences that try to invade or impact or whatever the case might be. That's why I thank God for church. I can come with a whole congregation of people. We can lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. We can praise the name of the Lord our God, hallelujah. We can shout glory to God and rejoice in the goodness of God. I don't know what you think about that, but it does me good. Hallelujah. And it blesses me. And not only that, but there's also the word of God. Hallelujah. But so there's stuff external. There's things internal, you know, that give form and shape again to the way that we think. And uh, 
again, it's, it's a negative example, but it's one that's so out there in bold relief is the, the adverse effects of social media. You got people that are taking their lives, I mean, to the point of taking their lives because of what somebody said about them that wasn't kind or whatever the case might be. And all of these different kinds of things that, you know, I mean, if, I, if it were me, I'd shut off the social media because so much of what it is that's being said is it's not true. You know, they put a celebrity out there and they say, well, this is what I think and this is what you should think. Why would I, God's green earth, why would I do that? Huh? They're not giving form and shape to the way that I think. I'm gonna to listen to what the Bible has to say, praise God. Because so much of what it is that's going on in the world today is to drive people down. It doesn't lift them up. It doesn't bring, you know, uh, joy into their lives. Are you listening to me? So, so, you know, sometimes we have to shut these things off. But here's another way that I could say it. I could say it this way, that people think the way they do because of how or what they're influenced by. Okay? And that starts from a, a small child. You know, if a child is loved and there's this endearing quality, you know, of parents loving, guiding, directing them, you know, they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to grow up to become a functional you know, uh, um, asset, I guess you would say, to society because of how they have been given shape to where their lives are concerned, knowing that they've been, then they've been loved. So all these things influence us. Information influences us. Upbringing influences us. Environments, associations, fleshly desires, carnal appetites, you know, uh, that type of thinking. You know, the Bible, how many of you know the Bible can influence you? We were just watching a show. It was an um, um, uh, English uh, television show, and there was an older guy about 60 years old, and there was a 21-year-old kid, and um, they were talking about, you know, it raining and flooding and all this and that and the other, and, and the older gentleman made reference to Moses. He says, I'm Moses. He was you know, uh, being uh, facetious. And uh, the young 21-year-old says, I never heard of Moses. He says, have you ever read the Bible? He says, no, never read the Bible. He says, well, there was this uh, character in the Bible called Moses and talks about how that he led some people out of a very bad situation and wanted to lead them into a very good situation. And, he, and, and this group of people, you know, came up to the Red Sea and... Uh, <clears throat> And they parted, or uh, the, the sea parted. Didn't say that God parted. It just said the sea parted, and the people walked across on dry ground. Well, the 21-year-old said, that's horse pucky. He said, I don't believe that, you know. Why? Because he was clueless. There no influence, secularized to the max, had no concept of these things whatsoever. So associations and environments, the Bible is certainly something, really it should be the primary influence in our life, shouldn't it? Huh? Amen. And so it's important in that regard. And not only that, but we can be influenced by the Spirit of God. We can be influenced by the company we keep. Yeah. You know, even the Apostle Paul said that, you know, well, the King James says evil communication uh, corrupts good behavior, but really it's... Uh, um, Bad companionship uh, does the same thing. Are you listening to me? So be, be careful who you hang out with. You know, we can, I mean, we can attest to that. If any of you ever raised kids and they went over to little Johnny's house and little Johnny's house is kind of like, you know, like the untamed wild west. And then your child comes back home and he has 
learned some things that maybe he shouldn't be learning. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So all of these things, you know, come into play. That's why we teach our children to think for themselves and we provide guidance for them. You know, you, you help them to not only understand, but, but to be able to think for themselves. Because when they get to be teenagers, they go to high school or wherever it is that they're gonna, or not high school, but college, they're, they're kind of on their own. So hopefully we've given them a foundation upon which uh, they've built their lives so that they can actually process, you know, what it is that they're having to deal with and so on and so forth. Uh, I've mentioned this book before, but there was a gal by the name of Abby Nye, and she wrote a book uh, <clears throat> entitled Fish Out of Water. And she went to college, and I can't remember the university that she went to, but she went to the school, and uh, um, both of her parents were journalists. And so they encouraged her to journal every day with regard to her experience and different things of that nature. And so for this, this book was kind of the, the, the thing that came from all of this because she just points out the fact, you know, on Parents' Day, everything's just wonderful at, the, at college or university or whatever the case might be. But when you leave, when the parents leave and that kid or that child is to themselves, it is an immediate beginning of indoctrination and not the way that you want it. You know, our, 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 not all, okay, not all, but most, most colleges and universities have become cesspools of anti-God and anti-righteousness. And so it's so important for us, and I don't know how come I'm getting off on all this, but whatever. Uh, you know, it's, it's important for you to teach your kids, and um, so it's in, uh, in that regard. So, so <clears throat> the plumb line for all reasonable and accurate thinking is the Bible. It's the Word. Hallelujah. And uh, not only that, but I, so I want to talk to you in these few moments that I have left here about thinking about God, how you think about Him, how He thinks about you. And here's another really good one, how you think about yourself. These are all important things. Because again, they're gonna give shape and form to the way that you live and whether or not you're able to live a successful life. Well, the Bible, the Word of God, you know, it reveals to us, you know, how it is that we might think about God. It also reveals to you and I how, uh, we, uh, how He thinks about us. And then also, praise God, aren't you glad for this? It also helps you to think about yourself as you ought. Are you with me? It's all in there. You know, I was, I was, I don't know if I was shaving or whatever. I usually try to keep a notepad by my, you know, you know God, I found out there's a guy, he was telling me that he got one of these uh, uh, pens that will write in the water. You know, there's a, um, he got a little, uh, I don't know, you wouldn't call it a whiteboard, but he had a little whiteboard and he had a pen that would write on that whiteboard in his shower. I thought, man, that's brilliant. Because then that way, when something, you know, comes to you, you just write it down. Are you listening to me? So anyway, I've got something like that, you know, um, in, in the bathroom there on my, uh, what do you call that thing? Vanity, you know? And so, <clears throat> you know, just, just this thought passed through. And the simple thought was this. 
you can, you can understand why people, in other words, uh, that's not the way it said it. The Bible will tell you exactly why people behave the way they do. Because in the word of God, there are all these examples of people and why they do and think and feel and behave the way that they do. It's all in there, okay? And so, so I don't know that it should be real surprising to us sometimes when we see certain behaviors and things of that nature. There is without question a reason why that person has gotten to where they are. Are you with me? So what's the answer to that? They need Jesus. They need the king. They need to surrender to the one, hallelujah, that is sufficient to be able to deliver them and set them free and help them in the way that they should go. So let's ask the question, how do you think about God? You say, well, I'm not, I'm not really finished yet. I don't think any of us are. But yet right on the other hand, we can at least kind of, you know, when I ask you the question, how do you think about God, do you realize that you can go up to any man, woman, and even child and ask them, and you will get 45 different answers? Actually, more than that. Well, I don't believe in God. Well, I'm not sure there is a God. You know, I mean, you know... Uh, people sometimes, you know, because certain things have happened within their lives and that experience that they had has jaded them. You know what I mean by that? You know, they're just, they're mad at God or they resent or, you know, all of these different kinds of things, which when in fact, he's not the one that, that, that should be blamed, but that doesn't matter because that's where they are. So, so how do you think about God? And I'd like to suggest to you this evening, the only way that you're really going to be able to accurately think about him, you know, it's like one person said, there are many different ways to heaven, you know, and they, they have gods, they don't just have one. So yeah, last time I read the word of God, there's only one God and one Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But again, not everyone has that knowledge. So when we think about God or how we think about him, it's all over the place. And so the only way that you can discover the truth about God is through the word. Because the word of God is a self-disclosure of himself. Okay? In other words, it is a self, we could say it this way, a self-revealing. When he came to Abraham, he says, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And then he had a relationship, made a covenant with him, so on and so forth. So in the process, God begins to reveal himself. He has men that, as the Bible says, were swept along or moved by the Holy Ghost. And they penned what we refer to as both the Old and the New Testament. So we have these things. And we believe that the word of God is the infallible Word of the living God. Hallelujah. And so uh, that's important for us to understand, but it's through the Word that we discover uh, God and who He is. And, you know, He's everything the Word says He is. Glory to God forevermore. How many of you believe that tonight? Huh? He's everything the Word says He is. And so, but here's another aspect of this. When I read the Word, I have to have faith. It requires faith on my part to know the reality of God's word. Because I believe that Moses, through the power of God and his staff, parted the Red Sea. Why? Because that's what says happened. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) 
Yeah. But it takes faith to believe that. Because here's a 21-year-old. I mean, when you think about the story that the guy told him, I mean, from a reason standpoint, you could say, um, no, that just doesn't normally happen. Are you with me? I mean, part in the Red Sea, I mean, come on. And so I understand the, the young man's position, but what's really unfortunate is he didn't have a clue. Are you with me? So it does require faith. And it's from the Word of God that we come to discover the character, the nature, and the will of God. Because I tell you this much, He is a good God. Are you listening to me? But yet, right on the other hand, before I was saved, I didn't know that God was a good God. I didn't. I thought that God was some austere judge up in heaven with some big gavel, just waiting, you know, so that, praise God, Kaylee, when you mess up, baby, we're going to put the hurt on you. Huh? I don't know what your take was, but that's, you know, because when you're living in sin and doing wrong, you guilty. And so you realize you don't deserve anything but the gavel. But thank God in his mercy, he sent Jesus. And he gave his life so that you and I could live. But I didn't know that. So when you read the word, you discover his character, you discover his nature. And not only that, you also discover his will, the will of God for you in your life. So what does the Bible say about how God thinks or relates to us? So we, I, I just kind of hit the high spots there. But how is it that God relates to us? Is it the austere judge or maybe is it something else? Always remember that the blood of Jesus... Hallelujah. I mean, it took care of everything that was necessary, and that's why God has mercy on us because of what it is he did. But how does he think, or how does he relate to us? How does he relate to man? And again, I suggest to you that it takes faith when we read the word. See, if you're not going to believe what the Bible says, it ain't going to do you no good. Huh? For example, you know, and, and here's another thing about that, you guys. It's not such a stretch. If you're born again, it's not such a stretch for you to believe the Bible because you have the witness of the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Are you listening to me? Now, sometimes, you know, people push all that down. But if we would listen to the witness that we have on the inside of us, we would know that the Word of God is true. How many of you believe that tonight? So it's important for us to understand that. Hallelujah. Look at this verse of Scripture with me. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, not too far there to your right. Notice this Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man that is in him? And even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now listen to this. Now we have received, everybody say, yes, I have. Yes, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So we've been given the spirit of God so that we can know 
that which has been freely given to us. Aren't you glad it's no longer a program of works? Huh? Thank God. And so then it goes on then to say, it says in verse 13, which things we speak of, not words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness unto them, just like the 21-year-old. says stupid. I don't believe that. Then it goes on to say, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned or understood. And, uh, but he that is spiritual judges all things, and yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Everybody say hallelujah. So you've got it, baby. I mean, there's things you know more than you realize, but of course there's the God of this world that's trying to tell you you don't know anything. Well, thank God we may not know everything, but thank God for the part we do know. So we settle on those and, and, and we hang on to them tight. So <clears throat> if you take your lead from the world, you're going to be hopelessly lost. Because the Bible, as we just got done reading right here, the natural man receives not the things that be of the Spirit of God. You, 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 for example, you talk to someone about Jesus and you say, you know what, Jesus loves you. And they go, yeah, right. Or you say, Jesus has a plan for your life. And they go, yeah, right. You know, in other words, it's, it's not even within their spectrum of understanding for you. But, but the more you talk to them about it and, 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 you know, communicate with them about this, all of a sudden something moves from here to here where their lives are concerned and they come to realize, you know, people were preaching the gospel to me all the time, man, you need to get saved. You need to give your heart. You need to surrender. I knew that, but I didn't want to admit it. So I, I told them something else, you know, are you with me? So thank God we get to the place where we do recognize the need that's in our life for him. And when we do so and we surrender, immediately he takes us up on it, hallelujah, and changes us from the inside out. But the natural man is not going to receive the things that are of the Spirit of God, hallelujah. I mean, I get up, you know, nearly every time I get in the pulpit, and I'll say, man, Jesus is coming again. And not only that, but he's coming soon. And I guarantee you there'll be people, if they're on the internet or wherever it is that they might be watching, they'll go, yeah, right, yeah, I don't believe that. Well, so they have their influence and we have ours. So we can rejoice in what it is that we know. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So again, how does God relate to men? Well, here's, here's a couple of things for you to think about. I'm gonna give you some verses of scripture with regard to how he relates to or thinks about us. But uh, how do you see him? How, how do you know him? How do you know how he relates to you? Do you... You look at it through the lens of the Old Testament, or do you look at it through the lens of the New Testament? You know, when we got saved, turned on the Word, and we started growing in our relationship with God, I remember that there was this, um, I guess, a person of influence, you could say, leader, yeah. You know, but they were always reading the Old Testament, and nothing wrong with that, you know, thank God, you know, for the Old Testament. But yet, right on the other hand, as a result of it, the more and more that they read, the more there was what I would refer to as an edge to them. Because the Old Testament is the law and the legal aspects of things. 
And so, you know, it, it, it just kind of had that flavor. There wasn't much grace in it. Are you with me? So when you get there, then pretty soon you start being judgmental of other people. Mind the right house? How many of you know that sometimes when it comes to people's lives and what they're doing, it's not your circus and it's not your monkeys? Thanks for your enthusiasm. You know, we all have an opinion, but sometimes uh, that's not so good. Mind the right house? So how do you interpret things? And, and here's the point that I want to say. I'm not, I'm not uh, speaking disparagingly of the Old Testament, but here's an a, a important principle, that you always interpret the Old Testament in the light of the new and not the other way around. Because if you do, you'll become legalistic and you know, kind of uh, uh, messed up in that regard. Does that make sense to you? So, you know, again, how, how, do, how does God relate to us? Well, are you looking at it through the eyes of an unregenerate person or a born-again person? Because there's a big difference there. Are you looking at him, you know, and how he relates to us through religion? All right? I'm, and, and I'm talking about man's man-made thinking, okay? And I can tell you right now, you'll never know God through man-made thinking, Okay? And then, of course, um, you know, um, well, here, here, this will help you, you know, uh, uh, taking this a little bit further, you know, about how God thinks to us. Here's a verse of Scripture. In Luke chapter 2, verse 13, you're all familiar with it. I know you know it. This was the angel, Gabriel, who came, and uh, he told the disciples, or not the disciples, they were shepherds. We didn't have any disciples yet, okay? He's just on the shepherds. And, and he came with this announcement that Mary was down in Bethlehem giving birth to the Savior. And when he did that, all of a sudden, the Bible says that with him there came this heavenly host. You say, well, I don't believe that. That's your problem, you know? But the fact of the matter is, this happened, okay? And the Bible tells us, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, now listen, and saying, glory to God in the highest, now listen, and on earth, peace, listen, goodwill toward men. Now that's the Bible. That's how God is now relating to humanity. He didn't have any bad will for anybody. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to a repentance. So God has peace toward men. Paul, all the writers, when they, when they start their letters, you know, what is it that they say? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Huh? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Why? Because that's God's approach to you or towards you. Are you with me? You know, yet right on the other hand, you know, if, if, you, if you don't renew your mind to the word, then you have another way of thinking that may not be exactly true. Another uh, verse of scripture that I would uh, share with you that I do often in Jeremiah uh, 29 verse 11, it says, for I know the plans or the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. All right, and it goes on to say, plans to prosper you, thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, to give you a future. 
Now, I tell you what, praise God, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what else will, because it doesn't really get any clearer than that. It's just like when I was reading in Ecclesiastes, you know, he said, you know, for you to do what it is that you do on this planet, it is a gift of God. It's your portion. You should be blessed. It's not, there's nothing wrong with you and your family enjoying a good life. Why? Because that's why Jesus came. That's what he came to give you. Are, are you with me? So... It's so important and then, um, um, for us to understand that. Here's another verse of Scripture. This was an eye-opener to me. Because when I was in catechism and going through all, you know, jumping through all the hoops, they made us memorize John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believed him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Man, I wish they had told me it's verse 17. Because verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to what? condemn it, but that the world through him could be saved. See, I went through all the hoops. Nobody told me that I needed to be saved. Okay? I was 13 years old when I jumped ship and never went back. But in all that time, nobody ever told me I needed to give my heart to Jesus. That's why I thank God for that department over there because those kids like Kaylee and others, you know, and Daryl and different ones that are preaching over there to them kids, they will get saved if they come to this church, okay? And I tell you what, their lives will never be the same because that seed is in them. Now, they could become wayward and this and that and the other, you know, maybe things, you know, within family life and whatever goes sideways. There's a lot of things that happen, but the seed is in them. And that's what's awesome about that. Hallelujah. So, uh, <clears throat> so real quick, in five minutes or less, good luck. How do you think about yourself? Because I'm telling you, the Bible will help you out there if you're willing to meditate and think about what it is the Bible has to say. You know, I mean, how do you think about yourself with confidence, with courage, with, with affirmation? Because in the world that we live in, you don't get none of that. It's all browbeating, condemnation, you're wrong, negative, all these different kinds of things. I remember Pastor Willie George wrote a, uh, a, well, he had a message entitled, How to Raise Positive Kids in a Negative World. Because that's the world we live in, you know. There ain't much good news in the world. But thank God there's a lot of it in the Bible. So how do you think about you? It is so important. It is absolutely critical where our lives are concerned. How you think about yourself will affect everything, you guys. Again, that's why I thank God for the church, because of the washing of the water of the Word of God. We come just like you have here tonight, and, and there's an influence that's being, you know, impacting your life, whether you realize it or not. The Word of God is a living thing. So when we're reading the Bible, I tell you what, things are happening whether you're aware of it or not. So again, how you think about yourself will affect everything in regard to how you live and the decisions that you make. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, so when you start thinking about the way that you think, hopefully it's being influenced. Your heart is being influenced by the Word of God. Can you say amen? Now, here's another scripture. This is the Apostle Paul. He was talking to uh, the people that were in Ephesus, and he was talking about that he would never see their face again because he was going to, you know, end up in Rome. And, uh, 
But he made this statement. He says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That's important. I commend you to God and to the message or the word of his grace. Now, notice what it goes on then to continue saying, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all of those that are sanctified. So the word of grace or the word of faith or the word that you and I in the New Testament have come to understand builds you up, gives you an inheritance, hallelujah, along with everybody else that's sanctified in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? So look at this verse now real quick. I still got a few minutes. Ephesians chapter 2. This is, again, a verse that you're familiar with. Verse 8, Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For by grace... Are you saved through what? Faith. For by grace, not your works, but by grace are you saved through faith. Now notice it goes on to say, uh, and that not of yourselves, not a program of works. I'm glad you're a good person, but guess what? It won't get you to heaven. And then it goes on then to say, it is a gift. It is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift that comes from God by grace through faith. Notice it says in verse nine, not of works lest any man should boast. Now get this, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I'm glad tonight, praise God, I'm his workmanship. That blesses me, hallelujah, and so are you, amen. You know, God don't make no junk. I don't know if you realize that or not, but he's pretty good at what he does. Hallelujah. But until we begin to think the way he thinks and begin to view ourselves the way he views us, and not only that, but us viewing him the way that we should, then then we struggle. You know, in Galatians 3 and 13, it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham can come on us through Christ Jesus. Okay? You you with me? Hang with me. I still got, the thing says I still got a minute. So, amen. Praise God. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So, if you're feeling condemned, it's time to get that under your feet. Hallelujah. You need to stand on top of it instead of it standing on top of you. Why? Because there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, if you're in disobedience and you're acting like a knothead, you know, or something like that, well, then, then there's another step here that needs to be cared for, probably called repentance and saying, God, you need to help me. That's a good prayer. All right. But right now in the context, we're just going to say everybody's okay. All right. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Why? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, the devil is forever beating people up and saying, you're no good and you mess this up and you'll never amount to it. You know, all of that, that's all worldly, carnal, ungodly thinking. 
You're his workmanship, huh? Created in Christ Jesus to good works. So you have to start thinking about yourself that way. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about being arrogant or proud or anything of that nature. I'm just talking about the fact, praise God, there's something that he has done to make you who you are. And you didn't really do anything, you know, to to make that happen other than you surrendered your heart to him. He did it. All these things, if we went on reading, all these things are of God. He did it. And so we can rejoice in that. Glory to God. So the child of God has to renew his mind to see himself as God sees him. You know, again, see, um, see yourself as his child, because you are. Beloved, now are the, we the sons of God. Not going to be, we are. That's what John said. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm a son of God. Oh, come on now, come on. I've been preaching here all this time, you know. You, you sound like you're ready to go to sleep. Everybody say it one more time, I'm a child of God. Thank you. Glory to God. You're a child of God. And not only that, but you know, you're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're delivered. You're victorious. You've been raised up. You've been seated together with him. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Hallelujah. Behold, all things are become new. So as a child of God, you've been given this brand new identity. Glory to God. Not the way it used to be. But, but, but hell attacks these things with a vengeance. Absolutely. Attacks your self-esteem. Attacks your self-worth. Attacks your self-confidence. Attacks your identity in who you are. And that's why you get yourself rooted and grounded in the word. And then when the devil comes and starts peddling that stuff, you can say, get behind me, devil. You don't even know what you're talking about. I'm a child of the living God, and I've been authorized by the king to be here and to do business for the kingdom of God. Amen? And I tell you what, you know, if we'll work on that a little bit, I guarantee you, it will bless you, but don't let hell in. And I will say this, you know, uh, a lot of times when these things come our way, um, they can be ever so subtle. You know, the Bible says the serpent was more subtle than any beast. Wouldn't it be, I mean, wouldn't the devil use the most subtle thing he could to try to get into the lives of Adam and Eve? And that's what he does. He says, God really said, you know, when he tempted Jesus, he said, hey, if you're the son of God. So what's he doing? He's a, he is making an assault against Jesus's identity because he was the son of God. So what does he do? He says, he gets you to quit. Well, if you are the son of God, if you are, beloved, now are we the sons of God? If you're a child of God, you know, then blah, blah, blah. Are you with me? So, so these things, they can come in kind of a subtle form. It's like, you know, it just kind of starts with a little thought like, well, you're really a screw up, you know, or, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how it might manifest, but do you understand where I'm coming from? So guard your heart with all diligence because from it comes the issues of life. Well, you shouldn't be thinking those thoughts. Well, you're the idiot that's bringing them to me. So I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Are you with me? And sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to do that a lot. You know, he'll try to take you down some path of negative kind of thinking, you know, maybe it's about someone or whatever and, you know, this and that and the other. Well, if you keep entertaining, he'll just keep feeding you. 
Well, you just don't do that. You say, oh, no, 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 no. We're not, no, uh-uh. Nanu, nanu. We are not doing that. Are you with me? And then, praise God, you'll be blessed. So, anyway, we better stop. Y'all glad you came tonight? Let's everybody stand up so you can shake yourself and get yourself warmed up. And if you don't really want to move like Linda because, you know, you're, you're all cuddled up there, just that's okay, too. You can just stay where you're at. Hallelujah. Y'all glad you came tonight? Hallelujah. Let's pray together. And uh, uh, let's just commit this to our heart. We'll see if the Lord wants anything else for us to do or whatever. And uh, we'll go from there. Father, I'm so glad. I'm so grateful, Father, for the church. I thank you for these, Father, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Glory to God. Thank you for your blessing, Lord. As we come to you tonight, I'm just so grateful for what it is that you've made known, what you've revealed concerning your will, your plan, your purpose for us. And Father, I'm so thankful that we can know the will of God. Not only that, but we can know your nature. We can know your character. We can know how you view us what it is you desire for us, and that you love us. Hallelujah. So, Father, we just rejoice in you tonight and thank you for your blessing. Hallelujah. And, Father, for those here that are within the sound of my voice or maybe those watching online, if, if condemnation and defeat or, or guilt or something of that nature has, has come to assault them, Father God, I, I just thank you right now for ministering to them and having them to stand up and to take their place in the name of Jesus and put a stop to that which has been coming against them, that has endeavored to suck the life out of them. And Father, I just thank you for infusing their hearts and minds with your plans, your thoughts, your joy, your uh, blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just say this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I am your child. I thank you for your grace toward me, that you've saved me, washed me, and cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, that I have been accepted in Christ himself, and I am your child. Thank you, Lord, for leading me guiding me into all the truth in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God.